Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. Uh, today, Jordan and I are going to be going over some of what Brett Siebel said about apologetics and uh, how you can apply it to your lives. How about we start off with first, what was your impression of Brett, just having never met him? Uh, so I actually had the good fortune of talking to Brett before the men's steak dinner, which would have been, was it Friday of last week? Yeah, Friday of last week. I got to talk to him for a while. Um, he shared with me that he got a master's degree from uh, Lincoln Christian University, where I'm pursuing mine right now. So we kind of connected over that. And we got to talk about a lot of different things about philosophy and apologetics and that kind of stuff um, before I even got to hear him present. Um, so I think that just, for me, um, you know, maybe validates my view of him even more when I say that, you know, I, I got a lot out, out of his presentation. He definitely has um, done his homework in terms of responding to very skeptical views of the Bible, you know, whether that be theological stuff, historical stuff, Christological stuff, um, you know, like with the divinity of Jesus and stuff like that, or um, a lot of things that people will question, like why does God allow evil? Why does God do this? Why does he say this? How can we trust this? He has really good responses to all those things, and I think that definitely came out uh, in both of the presentations I was able to hear. So I think that's a general overview for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, in general, I appreciate anybody who's willing to think through the, and I hate to say deeper questions as if someone else's questions aren't deep, <laughs> but just questions in general are like, yeah, just thinking through it and not just sort of the like easy answer to something. Um, I don't know. That's just how I'm wired. I think about these things and like wonder how this fits with this and, and I know not everybody's like that but it also for someone like me it's encouraging and like like oh I'm not the only one who like can get into that kind of thing and I mean to say it's enjoyable is like not really the right word but it's because I don't know for me it's just like a satisfying search for truth is what I feel like I end up doing when I explore those kinds of things and yeah, it he definitely isn't afraid to delve into areas where there's more technical language to things, which can be daunting for some people, but one thing I found for me is that like the technical language gives a more robust way to talk about the things that we're trying to figure out. And like once you break down like, oh, that's what this word means, it's like I don't know, there's some more color to the conversation we're then having, but it's only once you decipher that that's what that word means. Um, that that kind of stuff comes out. So I appreciate just anybody in general who is willing to kind of talk about the various things he generally talks about. Not that I'm, I would, I'm not, I'm definitely not like a skeptical person in that sense, but I like to like think through like how, how, what makes the most sense here and like, and not just sort of the like, oh, that's good enough. <laughs> but I don't know, when, when I was in grad school, uh, the professor who oversaw my, uh, degree in my program he said that I'm a radical in the most literal sense meaning like I want to know the tippy tip tip bottom 
of whatever thing I'm looking at. Like I'm like, and not till I get there am I satisfied. <laughs> and that's that's a pretty accurate explanation. But anyway, enough about myself. But anyway, it's just encouraging to hear someone else who who thinks and can talk about those things. Like I really enjoyed the Q and A stuff. Granted, my kids were a muck in the background, so it was kind of hard for me to process a lot of what was being said. And I, I think I want to go back and kind of listen to some of his answers again that I didn't catch very well the first time. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed just kind of being able to throw out like, Hey, this is something I've wrestled with before. How do you, where do you come out in it? And to kind of see where he was with it. So, yeah, um, I mean, uh, I mean, for me, it was pretty powerful because in my undergrad, I was a skeptic. So I, you know, I, I ended up, kind of working things out the same way that he did and to hear him kind of present in that way to the people he was presenting to is kind of struck a personal nerve for me, which is, you know, pretty cool. So maybe just real quick, I was going to, you know, maybe go over what our favorite parts of what he presented was. You kind of just gave your answer maybe like with the question and answer stuff. If you want to get more specific with that, that's cool. If not, you know, I could share my thoughts, but Go ahead with yours, and I'll I'll think a little bit more if I want to add more to what I said. Um, yeah, I I really appreciated his presentation to the youth students out at Anchor Christian Church because that I felt like he did a really good job of speaking to his audience and engaging his audience and asking them questions and kind of getting into um, an issue that I think most of us. Uh, excuse me, most of us deal with, which is doubt and, you know, uncertainty. And to his point, you know, a certain degree of uncertainty is normal and it's expected. And, you know, it's how we deal with that that counts. It's not having it that's the negative. I mean, we we can't, I mean, rea- re- realistically, I mean, this is something I wrote a paper on in epistemology in my undergrad was, you know, how we can't be absolutely certain about anything like we we can be confident in things and still know them to be true but there's always going to be some degree where our you know our minds are limited and we can't know everything you know only god knows everything he's the ultimate you know we're limited in that capacity so him kind of um putting a highlight on that um idea that we get from scripture was kind of cool for me so yeah, I I appreciated his presentation there too. And while I don't know that the audience like, you know, indicated kind of in a in a live sense, like, Oh yeah, I have lots of doubts and questions, like that didn't seem to come out of the vibe of the room. But I do think that's something that we all are always like, Am I allowed to have those there? And and we all have them, right? Like at some point we're all like even if we've followed a principle or belief for a while, there's at some point where something butts up to it and we're like, do we continue this? Do we not? Like, do I continue to approach it the same way I have before? Or or have I somehow gathered new information that should change that? Like we all have these sorts of questions, which bring up these moments of, I've never, I've never thought about that way before. And all of a sudden it's like this, you know, crossroad of do I keep on or do I change kind of a thing? And so as much as probably most of us wouldn't label ourselves label ourselves as like a skeptic or a doubter or like that's that's not how we generally approach faith or following Jesus. At least I don't think the two of us would and or most people who are regularly part of the church body or following Jesus. Um, 
but we do encounter things where we have to sort of like reevaluate like what do i what do i do with this like this new thing kind of came up and i liked how he presented the, the information he gave from the standpoint of saying if you look at scripture as a whole it anticipates doubt or questions from the standpoint of just making various statements or having various stories where people are wanting to know why things are the way they are or how could this be or just it's anticipating like why i mean it's just reflecting like human nature of like why we want to know what we don't know i mean you go back as far to the earliest almost earliest story with adam and eve i wonder what happens if i eat this fruit that god told me not to eat there's already a, like, they're starting to, <laughs> you know, the, the questions being formed there. And his whole point was like, that's part of being a creature that's finite is kind of how I took it. Like, and his overall point was, yeah, that it, it inadvertently kind of points to God as God. Like, he's not supposed to fit our human limited understanding paradigm, like, because he's God, we're not. And that's what makes it all the more, like, amazing when you think about God stooping to human level to come to be among us, like we've been talking about in previous episodes about the incarnation. Um, but I, I really liked how he presented uh, that that talk and, and just addressing that. And I know the various students we took uh, and that were there as well, um, they were right on wanting to look up the various scriptures and whatnot, which was encouraging that... Um, they were tracking and following along, and so yeah, it, I think it was a good presentation for sure. I, I appreciated it. That's always a good sign of engagement, for sure. Yeah, um, you went. Uh, did you talk about the dinner already or not? I'm trying. I know you said he talked there, but I'm trying to think if we. Uh, no, I didn't go into. Do you want to touch on what he talked about there? I wasn't at the dinner, so I didn't get to hear this part. Yeah. So the um, the men's steak dinner was. Or his presentation at the men's steak dinner was mostly about making the case for apologetics. I mean, he entitled the presentation "Making the Case for Making the Case" because, I mean, you know, I've encountered it with, you know, a lot of people that you know, why why would you worry about all this intellectual stuff? Like the scripture is, you know, the scriptures are God's word, and we just need to point people to that. And it's like, yeah, you know, to a certain extent, that's true. But his point was. So many different scriptures point us toward using our mind. And, you know, I think the main idea is First Peter 3.15, I believe, which is always be prepared uh, to give an answer for the hope that you have. And, you know, that or the Shema of Israel, you know, your Lord, your God is one. Worship your Lord with all of your soul, heart, mind, and strength. And your mind is one of those things, Right. He talked about how people will say, well, yeah, but the Bible says don't give in to philosophy and this kind of stuff. But really what it's meaning is, you know, worldly philosophy. We know that godly philosophy or godly wisdom is something that we should seek after as a treasure. And he brought that up in Proverbs, too. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff there that encourage us to use our minds. And the last was more of a, you know, more maybe like a theological argument, just kind of saying like, you know, if God created us and he gave us a mind that's, like, incredible. I mean, if you look at the science of it and that kind of stuff and all the different things that fire in our brains, it would be, like, an insult to him if we didn't use it. 
I mean, the Shema calls for us to use our mind in our worship of God. So that's kind of what he was getting at. And one of the examples, real-life examples that he gave about why apologetics is important or defending our faith is important is that, you know, he spoke with one pastor um, who let him know that he didn't want to receive his resources or his videos and stuff like that anymore um, because he, he didn't really do apologetics. And his point was that, well, we basically all should do apologetics. We should be willing to defend our faith. And he asked uh, this pastor a hypothetical question because all the pastor thought was, all right, well, I just point someone to the scriptures. And what he gave him was, you know, what if someone comes to you and says, yeah, I don't believe the scriptures. And the pastor was literally unable to give him an answer of how he would proceed. Like, that's why apologetics is important. It's, It's preparing you to speak to any audience about the most important thing there is, which is the love of Christ that people need to receive. So that was kind of the, the condensed version of this whole thing. So, Yeah. What kind of on your last point there, what are your, I mean, do you have any further thoughts on just that whole dynamic of where maybe apologetics fits within the average person following Jesus. Like it, it, I mean, with what Brett does, it, it kind of makes, it's obvious where it fits with a skeptical person. It's, it's trying to urge them to move from unbelief to belief in, in Jesus. But for that, the person who already follows Jesus, I mean, yeah, like you're making the point that it that matters, but would you add anything more to that at all? Just kind of from your own perspective. So I think there's two different ways that it matters for our own walk and then for our um, evangelism toward other people. For our own walk, I mean, you know, I look at it like there, like we talked about earlier, we all have doubts that we deal with. We have things that we struggle with. If we don't take the initiative to address those things, <clears throat> it's possible, you know, I'm not a prophet or anything like that. It's possible that that could become a stumbling block to us later, whether you have some kind of doubt about the history or the validity or anything like that. So looking into apologetics or defending your faith, the evidence for the faith, testimony of the faith is beneficial for your own confidence. And when you're more confident, you're already, I feel like, a much better and stronger example because that kind of radiates out from you. Um, And when it comes to our evangelism, I mean, that kind of preparation is essential when it comes to, like, Matthew 28 of the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. If we're going to make disciples, we need to be willing to talk to people where they're at. And if we can't do that or if we have something, and I'm not saying that we're God and we can immediately solve everything for that person, but if we can't talk to a person in a way that's uh, influential for them and understandable to them and convincing for them, that person probably isn't going to become a disciple or become baptized. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. I mean, just having more tools to be able to evangelize to people is always a good thing. So, yeah, I. For me, 
there's I guess both sides of the coin to some degree. So like I, I agree with what you're saying. Like it on one sense it's ultimately for a follower of Jesus to feel more confident in that what they believe is true. But I think it, I mean from how I view it is on one hand it, it goes it shows that following Jesus isn't just sort of a otherworldly outside of this life kind of thing. As if it's just this like private religion that has no intersection with anything else in reality. Whereas to me, like the arguments that get made through something like apologetics or just in like the realm of the defenses that like that Brett would be talking about and making is that it, it shows a lot of the intersection of a faith of following Jesus has to do with the concreteness of the rest of creation. It's not just like spiritual. It actually has to do with everyday life and the, the laws of nature and just the, the things that happen within creation. Um, it's not just sort of this otherworldly like fantasy world or something like that. It actually has to do with the life, the, the entirety of life that God created. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing f- from my perspective that it, that it benefits. I think the danger with apologetics can be that it can, a person could pursue it from and, and become more, I don't want to say too confident, but just have the perspective kind of like you were alluding to already that like, it's because of this defense that we believe as if like that's the undergirding supporting thing. And so, you know, but what happens with that? If, if someone pokes holes at that argument and then it doesn't satisfy you anymore, like the whole thing just comes tumbling down because your whole belief in Jesus was based on just this one human attempted understanding things right. and it's not to say that the the argument is bad it's just the fact that we don't know the end all be all of all things like we we know an aspect of it or a perspective of it and so it's helpful it gives us a clear understanding so I, I hopefully i'm not saying like it doesn't matter it does it's just it can't be the thing it's all built on and that's i think the danger that can sometimes come with getting so involved like to the extent where it's like well it's all got to be apologetics as if like there's no faith. There's, I mean, I don't know anyone say there's not faith, but like, to me, that's why faith has to matter because we're never going to fully understand it all. Like, we don't comprehend reality the way God does. So we are always in submission and reliant on that relationship with Him to carry us through the things that we don't know. Anyway, you want to add something in there? Yeah, I I think this kind of alludes to a conversation we were having last night about the same thing, as well as some of brett's testimony and then my own personal testimony like i mentioned earlier you know i was a skeptic the whole point of apologetics is to you know if you start by looking at the bible as a history book which you know to be fair it is at least in part a history book eventually it will prove itself to you as god's holy word inspired by the spirit and at that point you know like brett said you know i saw this and i was like oh i'm accountable to this God. This God is real. He wants a relationship with me and he expects me to live a certain way. At that point, it becomes different from, you know, the equation of a math problem being solved to, all right, well, now this is extremely personal and spiritual. And this other stuff could be like a more intellectual foundation or it could be the hook. But, you know, the one who has the fishing line is ultimately the Heavenly Father. And, that's eventually where we get to. So if you're only going to be stuck on the history or archaeology part of it and you're not going to get to the spiritual, personal, or accountable part of it, then there's almost like 
what how does your life look different apart from you just giving arguments and stuff like that and i i feel like i you know i've experienced definitely that transformation in my life as i'm sure brett has or other people who looked into this from the more skeptical perspective and then eventually became converted um i hope that what i'm saying like makes sense because i'm like i'm basically agreeing with you but I'm, i'm saying like you know the point of apologetics is to get us to that point where it's like you know there is a real personal relationship here there's a real triune god out there that kind of thing yeah i mean i think some of it ties back to our last episode talking about god meeting us where we are and in this instance i mean looking at scripture and its authority and and what it what it is and what it does i mean a lot of it is god meeting humans in the form of communication that became common and it's through like you know the recording of history it's through the bibliography list bibliographical biographical biographical accounts that we have like i thought you were i thought you were talking about bibli the actual yes biography yeah yeah like you know the list of names that we have like in the old testament (laughs) like the the heritages that it covers and the laws and like all those different things are you know witnesses of god interacting with people where they are and I mean, but you also see that there's sort of a pulling them to his desire and goodwill throughout that process. Like, it's almost hard to read, like, at least post-Adam and Eve, where everything kind of comes tumbling down. From there all the way to Jesus, and then, like, even looking beyond, like, in in the prophetic sense, like in Revelation and what John gives there and some of what Paul writes, kind of beyond when Jesus comes back. There's, like, a progression, but only a progression because people are pulled toward the will of God, not just because like humans are somehow progressing. That's not the point, but, but there, there is, there does seem to be a way in which God sort of pulls humanity or pulls history, pulls what we understand as humans along to us to understand things the way they're supposed to be. And where we find ourselves in that now is we have scripture that gives us principles and high, you know, pull, you know, gives us insight into some of that and God's spirit living in and through us. So there's that personal dynamic that you're talking about, but ultimately that'll all be fully revealed when, you know, we become face to face with God in eternity. And we haven't reached that yet. I mean, and again, and even that's not to point out that like we somehow become like God, like we're just more intimately connected to God, probably more so than at that point, because we do see him face to face and things will be more revealed and whatnot. Um, but my whole point is, is like, yeah, it's history there. It's lists of things, it's laws, it's all that, but it's, it is revelation. Like it's revealing something more so about who God is and how God created us as his creation to, to interact. And so I'm trying to highlight your point as well, probably in a very roundabout way, but I think ultimately like a good way to maybe summarize it is like in our use of reaching out to people or talking to people, you have to check yourself and ask yourself, like, are you trying to be the messenger or the authority? And ultimately, you're the messenger because it's revelation. It's like if God didn't want to reveal any of this to us, we wouldn't have a leg to stand on kind of a thing. And apologetics is just a way to get the message across to somebody else. But it's not like the arguments by themselves aren't the end-all, be-all. Yeah. I think one thing I would to kind of give a, a – practical uh, place to kind of point this um, because obviously not every person is going to be 
super intellectual or, you know, that's just not who the, the kind of person they are. And that's, that's fine. You're not that person. You have other skills, gifts, and abilities that other people don't that highlight and things I, you know, I, I bend toward more of the intellectual, but there's other things I stink at. So like, I'm not saying that as, as a, just to disrespect that. I'm just saying to help point people toward like what to do with this arena. Yeah, we, we need that. I mean, scripture calls us all to be able to give an answer for the hope that we have. So like, can you give your own answer for why you believe the things you believe? Like that doesn't mean it has to be super intellectual or academic level, but can you do that? That's one. Like, could you give the elevator pitch if you had to kind of a thing? That's one thing. The second would be like, I think, and this was kind of highlighted, I think, throughout some of the stuff Brad talked about. And, and I think most people wouldn't downplay, but I'm not sure we're ready for it when we encounter it. But, like, are we okay with the questions people bring up, especially someone who's not settled on where they are? Like, the question doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can actually be a, you know, it's the window through which they're trying to figure things out. Or God may be able to try to get more a hold of them because they are at a place where they're open to exploring or at least looking or perceiving things differently. And so I don't know that we have to be afraid of those. And even if we don't have like, Oh, this is how I would argue for that or in defense of this or defense of that. Like there's people like Brett, we can point people toward. There's a host of other people, but even if it's the, I don't know, but I'm willing to sort of start learning in that direction. I think that gives some like relational capital at the least with that person. Um, But it doesn't mean you have to change where you are. And it doesn't mean you have to somehow like, beat them in the submission from an intellectual standpoint. Like there's a relational end there that I think both can journey together in a way that's honest and not dishonest and not having to like make ourselves someone or not. Would, would you want to add to that further? So for me, you know, the scriptures call us to be humble, right? Humility is definitely something that we, or a trait we sh- we are seeking to be transformed into for sure. In our conversations with people, it's okay just to listen to people and their concerns, ask them questions. And then if you get asked a question you don't know, it's okay to say, I don't know. I need to look into this more. Or like Jordan said, I'm pretty sure these people would have an answer for you. Let's look at it together. Or <laughs> like on our own time, we could both do a little work into this. We're not going to know everything. And ultimately, we're not the authority on everything. But um, that's just one way we can shine the light of Christ into people's lives. Yeah. I think one thing maybe where I would tie this back into uh, the presentation that Brett gave on Sunday is he gave a lot of arguments for how the earliest depictions of what we believe in terms of who Jesus is, why we believe who he is, like the hope that we have kind of thing, really filtered down by really the average everyday person believing that, functioning as that you know as followers of jesus in the earliest church and those stories and those and them just witnessing to those being passed down and down and down or to their neighbors or whatever it may be to where eventually you have people like the apostle paul including it in his letters where it becomes more codified codified i'm not sure which way you should say that but anyway it becomes you know becomes written or passed down in, in a more uniform way but that was the average everyday person saying yeah i believe who jesus is and I'm sticking with it, and we are. I'm with these people who are also doing that, and then these people over here catch wind of that, and it, it just like it spreads like that. And that wasn't. I mean, yeah, there were people of all different, you know, 
age levels, um, academic levels, smart level, you know, intellectual levels, whatever. Essentially, it was the everyday person who, you know, moved that whole the whole whole thing that God is trying to do and reveal and share and cast down throughout the generations of who He is to the form that we have in Scripture today. I don't know. Do you want to add anything more to that? Or I think we're good. Okay. And now it's time for the one six eight debate. Oh my goodness! Now they're gonna <laughs> like go. What the heck's going on? I doubt they heard me. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just super excited. <laughs> so today, uh, in honor of the nor'easter that we've just experienced, our question is: Do you enjoy a buffalo snow day? Which obviously, as we know, especially for those of us who actually grew up in the school district, we basically know that the world needs to end for them to cancel school, um, which, you know, it's pretty close when you got like, what, four, five, four feet? How much, how many feet of snow? Two feet? Three? The most Seven? I saw was om- almost two feet, I think. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the mounds outside my parking lot. Drifts. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Right. Yeah, we, we had a bunch of... Stuff. I've just been saying like 15 plus because that pretty much covers about any area I saw. But yeah, so 15 feet. <laughs> 15 inches, that is, not 15 feet. Um, yeah, so, I mean, do you, do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy the fun that comes with that? Or now that you're an adult, do you just... What's your answer? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's definitely... I, I feel like there's a positive and a negative element to it. Like the positive being like... You know, being inside on a day like this, you, like you feel extra cozy. You know what I mean? If things are nice and warm, like me, like the salamander that I am with an 85-degree thermostat, and I'm inside and it's snowing outside, it's nice and fun to be in and be nice and warm. However, when you have to dig your car out of the literal mound of snow that it was in, um, that part isn't fun. So, I mean, I'd say it's like a net neutral Um I definitely, I would say I enjoyed it more when I was younger and I didn't have to go to school. And my father did the shoveling. So, what about you? I, I don't know if I want to say enjoy it, but, like, I don't dislike it. That's probably a fair way to put it. For me, like, I know there's the people who just, like, despise snow. And then there's the people who are, like, yeah, it snowed. Like, my oldest son is one of these people right now who, like, wants to be outside in the snow, like, all the time it seems like and there are people like that i get that for me like i know for you know family or friends i have that don't live here and like you know like this area is just like known for like oh the snow even though like those of us that live here know there's even more like finer lines of demarcation of where all the snow hits like for all of us like that live more you know in the more north town part of western new york or buffalo like us getting this much snow is more the abnormal than the normal, at least on a regular season. But, you know, yeah, it still it snows a lot in January, February, anyway, all that. I mean, it's just, it is. May. It is what it is. May sometimes, <laughs> yeah. But for me, like, I don't know. I'm one of those people, like, if it's going to be cold and snow, like, be cold and snow. Like, don't the whole, like, it's, like, melty and muddy and it's, like, that. I, that's the part I dislike. Like, that just needs oh, to, like, yeah. be done in a week and, like, move into the warm weather. Like, oh. the whole in-between thing just drives me nuts. But for me, like, the the snow in winter, like, it, it gives a, like, 
we'll see what today's going to be like. Like it's, it's, it makes it not mundane. Like it's like something new and exciting to happen. Cause every storm's different. Every it's like a, you, you deal with it differently every time. I don't know. And in like around here, I feel like for the most part, or maybe it's just because yesterday was, you know, MLK day. So like a lot of places weren't open. So it's kind of like an odd day. Cause like some stuff that would have been canceled was already not going to happen. So it wasn't the normal, like everybody had to make the call about canceling stuff necessarily. But I feel like in general, there's sort of a, like yesterday it just seemed like, yeah, we all have to deal with it. So it's like whenever we get where we're going or whenever we can do what we can do, like you kind of knew everybody was in the same boat. Like, I don't know, we were all outside doing the same thing. Um, yeah. Mike Bowers made the point this morning, like how, and it's true, like it brings out like all the neighbors who you never normally maybe get to interact with for whatever reason. Like we just stay in our little like cocoons in our houses, but everybody's out there doing the same thing and i don't know so for me to me it brings something exciting to like the winter um i don't mind being outside in the cold the whole like super cold and i can't feel my fingers that's the that's where i start to get like like the other day when it was what like in the single digits zero well it felt like zero i think it was kind of a different story but so yeah i i i enjoy it i guess is what i'm trying to say like i like the whole like having to snow blow and I don't know. It, it's something different. Get some drone to do. shots. Yeah, I guess some drone shots. Yeah, give me something to do there too. So yeah, I guess I would fall on the. I like it. Um, I the thing I don't like, which I'm trying to think. It's been. I feel like it's been a year. Well, especially with COVID, but like a couple years where like I I hate the whole like having to make a decision. Should you or shouldn't you have something? Where it's like. That's hard. Yeah. I would go, but would other people go? And like here, it's like I feel like there's this notion of like, but we don't cancel for anything. So it's like, mm-hmm. are we being soft? Like that whole thing, like that. Just have to make that whole decision. That's like one part that drives me nuts. Um, that's probably the downside to it. But in general, the snow doesn't bother me. Okay. Got anything else to add? I don't think so. I think we're good to wrap up. See you later, one six eighters. See you, everybody.